Hey, South Bend City Church, Mariah here, the Director of Art and Worship. We're so thankful that you chose to join us today, and we are so grateful that you're a part of our community. Wanted to give you a few updates on the life of our community and a kind of overview of our summer schedule before we get into today's conversation. First of all, we have a new series that begins next week. We're going to take a number of weeks in late July and August, and we're calling it Jesus Stories. We've asked a number of teachers to simply take us into a moment in the Gospels of an actual story with Jesus and help us understand it and understand what it's doing in them and how it's working on them and how it might do something in us. And the speakers that we have coming in to teach are incredibly trusted voices, and we're so excited for you to hear from them. But next week will be the first week of that series, and we'll be hearing from our lead pastor, Jason, as he gets ready to release his book. And so next week will both be the first week of Jesus Stories and also a chance for Jason to tell you a little bit more about the heart behind his book and a chance for us to pray for Jason in the book as we send him off to speak at other churches around the world as a part of his book tour. So if you want to be here for that, of course, we'd love to have you be here. And if maybe you have some questions around what it looks like for a pastor to release a book and specifically how that works in our community, you can head into the podcast linked in the show notes below to hear a conversation that Jason had with Matt, our executive pastor, and a member from our board. That being said, during this series, we're actually going to interrupt the flow of Jesus stories for one week of Sabbath rest. Here at South Bend City Church, we have some four mantras, and we try to take very seriously the kinds of things that we talk about. So when we preach our mantra, fields not factories, and we say that our life with God and one another doesn't work the same way that the industry works, the soul doesn't grow on a 24-7, 365 schedule, it grows through rhythms of rest and work and renewal. And so as a whole church community, we're going to take a week of Sabbath. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, my job doesn't give me Sabbath, We get that. However, South Bend City Church, especially Sunday gatherings, only works because a whole bunch of volunteers make it happen. And so we do hope that this is a rest for the whole church community by not having gatherings on August 20th. So there will be nothing happening at Studebaker. There won't be a podcast on that date. And our offices will be closed from August 14th to August 20th. And then we'll come back for one final week of our Jesus Stories series. Now, I want to remind you of what we kicked off last week because we're still in the middle of it. Last week, we had the privilege of hearing from Principal Shakita Adams of Jefferson Traditional Middle School here in South Bend, and we heard from her about what it's like in the life of students at Jefferson, some challenges and joys of that work, and we also heard about an opportunity to support the students of Jefferson by covering a uniform gap. Principal Adams told us how uniforms help kind of neutralize some dynamics that are problematic in their classroom, create a kind of shared baseline of dignity for everyone who walks into that school. But we also heard that what happens is a lot of students at some point in the school year run out of uniforms or they grow out of their uniform or they get holes in their uniforms and families may not have the financial needs to provide more. And so we felt like we could do something about that. So the challenge for South Bend City Church is that during the month of July, we want to set up Jefferson School to cover that uniform gap for one whole school year. And we're doing that through direct financial gifts and also through uniforms. So the financial gifts that you can help fund by clicking on the link in the show notes below. And at the end of this four weeks, every single penny will be used to buy uniform supplies at wholesale cost. However, you might want to bring your own new unused uniforms to donate. Now, this is not a chance for you to clear out your closet. We want these students to have the best that we can give them. So if you want to go buy uniforms, you're welcome to do so. And we are accepting polos in four colors, black, white, gray, and blue. And those blues can be navy, royal, or light blue. And pants in khaki, black, or blue. We're looking for everything from youth small all the way through adult double XL because we want to make sure that every kid there has what they need. There's a box at the front door in our space, and there's some hangers that you can hang stuff up if you want to bring those materials. And every Sunday in July, we're accepting those donations. And then everything given financially and every actual uniform will be handed over to the school. And one last thing, as always, if you consider South Bend City Church to be your home, you can give. You can do so by going to southbendcitychurch.com give. That's also in the show notes below. But it's through your generosity that we're able to do what we do to keep the lights on and also to do some of the things that you're about to hear from from Jason and Matt. Because this Sunday, we shared an emerging vision for downtown South Bend. The Tribune Project, our efforts to secure a new home for our church in the old printing press building of the South Bend Tribune, has drawn us into unexpected collaborations with other downtown stakeholders, dreaming together to reimagine downtown. And this weekend, we had the opportunity to hear a conversation between our lead pastor, Jason Miller, and our executive pastor, Matt Graybill, 
about how those dreams are coming to fruition and what the last six months or so has held for those conversations. We're so thankful that you chose to join us today. I hope that you're encouraged by this conversation. Let's join in with the rest of our community now. Well, like I said, today uh, is really exciting. Uh, there's been work happening underground and behind the scenes for months, and it's related to our project downtown called the Tribune Project, uh, which, by the way, if you don't know, we're moving. Um, I keep thinking everybody knows that, and then I'll be here on a Sunday, and somebody will say something like, man, I love this space. Are you guys going to be here forever? And I'll be like, no. Like, <laughs> go to the website and look at the picture at the door. Sorry. Um, this is the communication challenge of the 21st century, right? Uh, anyway, so we are moving. We, uh, after a long discernment process, uh, bought and have begun renovating the printing press building of the South Bend Tribune downtown. Um, but if you were with us in that discernment process or, or you've heard the convictions that are driving that project for us, um, you know that we feel really strongly that that building ought to be uh, for the common ground and the common good of our city all week long. And so what you're going to hear today is uh, some updates on where that conviction has taken us. And there's some beautiful surprises that have been a part of that journey that we want to share with you. So that's where we're headed. Uh, first, though, I want to refresh the thing that we talked about last week because it set a course for us that will carry us even today. Last week, we turned to this teaching from Jesus that's familiar to many. Sometimes it's called the parable of the prodigal, or, sorry, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, I want to re return to that. I want to remind you the setup, and then we'll let it carry us further today. Uh, the setup on that story is that somebody comes to Jesus and says, how do I inherit eternal life? Which, I don't know what you think when you hear eternal life and how that's been preached for you, but I want to frame that for you as somebody saying, how do I live in the flow of God? How do I live the kind of life that is rooted in the divine life? How do I, I find my own energy sort of caught up in God's own work in the world so that that life and work is carried forward forever? And Jesus turns the question back to this teacher of the law and says, well, how do you read our sacred scriptures? And this guy says back to Jesus, well, I think it's probably love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, yeah, you got it right. But then the guy asks this question, and we said last week that this question seems to... Uh, illuminate this whole kind of pathology that you and I are always carrying around with us. Because the instruction's pretty straightforward, love your neighbor, but he says, who's my neighbor? As if to say, like, will you help me sift and sort the world between those that I'm compelled to love and those that I can ignore or forget or love or leave behind or treat as enemies? And I think we carry this around with us whether we realize it or not. We're kind of always sifting and sorting the world. Sameness can feel like safety and difference can feel like danger. And we're just hoping against hope that maybe God will let us off the hook. But Jesus tells a story that decidedly does not let this man off the hook. And the story is the one that we looked at. Let me read it for you again. It begins here in Luke chapter 10, verse 30. In reply to that question, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, this is currency in the ancient world, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The guy gives the obvious answer. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, and Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, we worked out some angles on that parable last week, but the one other thing I want to draw out of that today for us is to know, like we did last week, there's three different people who see this person in need, right? But I want to argue today that only one of those three chose to be in relationship with the person in need. And for all the simplicity and all the complexity of that move, we want to work that out. He simply like, chose to be in actual relationship which is to see that person as a person, to recognize uh, a kind of mirroring of your own human experience there, to open your heart, to connect, 
to make yourself vulnerable or available to be in relationship. That seems to be the radical move for the Samaritan over against these other two guys who walk right on by and they, they see a person, but they don't seem to really see a person and they certainly don't choose to be in relationship with him. Uh, today we want to talk about some stuff going on with church and Tribune Project, uh, but I want to tell you it's grounded in our desire to be in relationship and I hope that what you hear today um, is about both personal and collective dynamics, that you take away something from this that we could all sort of work out in our own lives, even as we try to tell you what it's like for us as we try to become the kind of community that's an actual relationship with neighbors and partners downtown. Uh, if, you, if you started today and you showed up downtown and you decided you wanted to really see downtown, the way that the Samaritan sees. If you want to actually be in relationship with the world around you when you're downtown, uh, let me just observe a few things that you might see right now. Um, now, there's a lot of good, a lot of beauty, a lot of vibrance, a lot of creativity, a lot of ingenuity on display downtown, and those are things that we like to celebrate. There's other things you might notice too. If you bounce around downtown right now, you might see that there's a lot of empty space. There are beautiful historic buildings that just largely sit empty downtown that perhaps in an earlier season were full of life, but right now they're not. If you walk around downtown and you see, and you desire to be in relationship with the environment and the people that you see there, um, you might notice that there's a lot of people with need. Some of those needs are hard to observe and others are more sort of obvious. Uh, some of those needs show up for our unhoused neighbors who live downtown. You might notice that there are some downtown uh, who are struggling with mental illness and sometimes you see behaviors that indicate that. Um, that's certainly one dynamic that happens there. Um, one of the hard things about all of that, though, is that even in a city with people with need, there are actually a lot of resources to meet those needs. But often the problem isn't a lack of resource, it's a lack of connection between the needs and the resources. Uh, in fact, uh, there are so many resources for some of these needs, not all of them, but for some, that we actually have like redundancies built into our community. But because we're not all working together, those redundancies aren't actually serving as well as they could, right? Uh, if you're downtown and you're paying attention and you want to be in relationship with the people of downtown and the environment downtown, you might notice that downtown housing is expensive. <laughs> Amen? And it seems to be getting worse. Here's one recent example. Uh, do you all know Liberty Tower? It's the tallest building downtown South Bend. The bottom half of Liberty Tower is now the Aloft Hotel, great new opportunity downtown South Bend. The top half of that building, when the developer took it over and put the hotel in, was always slated for residential living, and they finally announced that after waiting a few years, they're gonna move forward with the residential part of that project. When the South Bend Tribune reported on that move just a few months ago, they reported that in the upper half of Liberty Tower, a two-bedroom apartment is gonna rent for $3,500 a month. I know, right? Yeah, housing is expensive downtown. There's not enough housing and there's not enough affordable housing. Um, another thing, you may not see this on the ground level, but you might feel this dynamic. In the city of South Bend, uh, the actual city proper, there's something like 56,000 jobs. But 40,000 people who work in those jobs commute from outside the city into the city to do those jobs. And then there are 42,000 workers who live in the city of South Bend, but of those 42,000, roughly 27,000, or 64%, commute out of the city to work. Now, that may not be all bad, but it is a dynamic, right, that people are leaving to go to other places to work, and people who work here are coming from other places to do that work. You might even notice that spaces that are theoretically full, like restaurants or bars or churches, are more empty than they used to be. You might notice the, um, a faith community here or there that perhaps had like decades or maybe even more than a century of rooting in the heart of downtown. Maybe that community isn't actually there anymore because they couldn't afford to sustain the building where they had written their story and lived their life. Those restaurants and bars used to be more full than they, than, than they are now. Some of that's sort of in the wake of COVID and other dynamics. Um, but you might notice these things when you walk around downtown right now. And the story that we want to tell you today about some of the work that we've been a part of and the hopes that we have for it is meant to create a different kind of future uh, for downtown South Bend. Let me uh, transport you forward for a minute and ask you to imagine with me some different realities 10 years from now. Imagine, for example, that you're somebody in deep need in the heart of downtown. Um, one example that's um, not entirely theoretical. Imagine, for example, that you're a young pregnant woman who was just kicked out of uh, the home with your boyfriend. 
and you've got no connection, no safety net, and nowhere to go. But imagine that downtown's an ecosystem where it's really easy to get connected to a resource like St. Margaret's House so that you can find the kind of support that you need in that really vulnerable moment. Imagine that you're somebody with a big, beautiful new idea. Maybe you've got some entrepreneurial energies and you wanna create an event or a movement or an institution or a business. And rather than having to kind of unilaterally navigate downtown, you find that it's really easy to be connected with spaces and organizations that could be great allies and advocates for the work that you want to do so that the whole map is clear for you and you find the perfect fit for the big dream that you have. Uh, imagine that you're um, a member of a faith community that sometime prior lost its home downtown, but now that community has returned and that the faith community you're a part of is able to worship on the same block where it has done so for decades or even generations. You can imagine that kind of homecoming and how good that would be, not just for the members of that faith community, but for the whole of downtown. Imagine you're a business owner and you walk into your bar or restaurant on a Monday night 10 years from now and you think about how not too many years ago, you weren't even open on those nights because there wasn't really any reason to be. But now you walk in on a Monday and the house is full and you look around and you notice that the people who work in your business are able to live downtown near your business because they can actually afford it. Imagine one of those people, for example, uh, making the kind of wages that re like restaurant industry workers tend to make. Imagine that they're living in mixed rate housing, where in the same building there are other people with other sort of worlds of resource, and they're bumping into them at the coffee shop on the first floor of their own residential building on their way to the very different kinds of work that they do, and that kind of connection is better for everyone. And as you move around down, you just feel that a place where there was some disconnection and emptiness is now marked by connection and fullness. Uh, today, we're here to tell you that what began as a vision for the Tribune building, for the, the property that we've bought, has over the past several months evolved into something far more comprehensive, and this is exciting, collaborative. Something in relationship with other partners and community leaders. And we wanna share with you today how that's going. Um, what we're gonna share with you today is very much a work in progress. There's some risk involved in that. Like, we don't have a bow on everything. We don't have a bright, shiny deliverable to give you yet. Uh, but we want to do this together, and we like to be the kind of church that gives transparency in the process, not just at the end of the process. So today you're going to get a mid-process update on our relationship with downtown as we try to follow our convictions about being good neighbors as we move into the building. Now, to do all that, um, the right person to help us understand all of that is our executive pastor, Matt Grable. Uh, Matt doesn't often have a chance to receive encouragement from you all up here, so please give him a huge loving welcome as Matt comes to the stage. Matt, welcome to the Sacred Rug. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> You get the mojo. This thing's got a lot of good mojo in yes. it. Yeah. It's been transported to a lot of places. It has. Do you all know this rug was the single first thing Stop and City Church ever owned? Really. And when we were itinerant, we would carry it from place to place. And I, I, maybe this is just me, but I felt when we laid the rug down, we knew that like wherever we were, God was with us because the rug was here. <laughs> yeah? All right. Good. And it's got a special shape in the middle, so if you ever mess with Jay, just move the table oh, don't. like 90 degrees. No, don't and do that. Set them off. Worse yet, move it like three degrees, and I will not have a good morning. Um, Matt, uh, you're executive pastor for Southland City Church. Not everybody knows what that means. Let's start yes. there. Uh, so, executive pastor, basically, there's a couple different areas of our life as a church. Uh, you have ministry, and then you have like operations, buildings, and finances, and then you have staff, personnel. Um, I kind of ha have my hand in all of those sandboxes. Uh, some sometimes I like to talk about it as like my role is like the air traffic control, um, helping things get from 30,000 feet down to the ground level. Uh, we have a lot of creatives in South Bend City Church that love to imagine a variety of things, um, but actually making those things like happen uh, as part of my role, just to make sure it gets from vision actually to um, thriving in our community. Yeah, and with that role, uh, you've had a huge hand in leading Tribune Project stuff, everything from design and building to relationships. We're going to talk a lot more about that, but let's start with the building itself. Um, we discerned as a community the decision to buy the building and make it our future home. 
And in that discernment, one of the convictions that came loud and clear from this community was if we're going to do this, we want it to be a place where we can work on common ground for common good all week long. We don't want it to just be for the good of Southland City Church and not for the good of the city. We don't want it to just be like full on Sundays and empty during the week. Um, So that even shapes the design of the space, right? Uh, Remind us a little bit, talk to us about how that thinking shapes the way that that building is being renovated right now. Yeah, so we were really thoughtful and intentional as we went into the design process with with this space. Um, I mean, a couple of thoughts. We really wanted to be good steward of our finances and also a good steward of the space. Uh, it was it was sickening during the pandemic to be paying a lease for a building that we actually could not occupy. Um, so to be a good steward of, of our finances, to be able to actually own something that we can create an asset for, was really really important. But then. How we design the space is equally as important. Um, and we kind of started with the end in mind, actually like, looked at what if South Bend City Church was no longer? What could this building be used for? Because what we've seen in a lot of churches is uh, if, if there's a church that's like dying or closes its um, space, like, it has like one use. Jay and I just recently had this experience in Chicago. We were talking with a pastor, visited this church in this really old, cool uh, building with these big timbers. Um, and as soon as we walked into the space, I was like, oh, shoot. They like dug up the floor, made it sloped, and bolted chairs, like auditorium seating uh, in this space. And I was like, you've now just created a one um, use space out of this thing. You can't put up round tables. You can't shift chairs. This is a performance venue. And so the odds of this space actually being used during the course of the week, uh, you've just eliminated that, that, that spot. So we have actually six different areas in the Tribune project that could be used in a variety of ways. I wanted to be really intentional about that. Even to the office uh, building there, people are like, hey, you're gonna utilize these offices? Like, actually, we work remotely. We'd love for these office spaces to be used by people in our community. So how can we use our space on common ground for the common good was really the the thought behind it. Yeah, so that continues to be uh, our goal for the building. Um, However, uh, we started running into roadblocks pretty quickly um, when we pursued what we thought was the kind of obvious path toward fulfill, for fulfilling that vision. Uh, give us a couple of examples of those roadblocks. Yeah, so early on we were like, oh, how can we imagine this space being used during the course of the week? And one of those areas was our kids' space. Like, how could this kids' space be used by the community during the course of the week? And we met with the city and we asked the city, hey, what's like one of the biggest problems uh, here that could be addressed through space? And they're like, affordable early childhood education. So like, oh yes, this would be great. So we started to meet with uh, some early childhood education um, providers and actually redid our space in terms of the architectural layout to be able to provide a little bit of a playground because that's code for having an early childhood education space. We're like, we're committed to this. But then as we started to meet with these partners, they're like, this is great and all, and we love the space, but because you're a church, uh, we cannot utilize this space because they either receive federal money and they're a little fearful or like many of us, they've had like some baggage around their past experience with churches and they thought we were going to either proselytize or try to like infringe on what they're doing as a community. And as much as we said, no, that's not the case, you can design the space, you can use the space, we're not trying to make a lot of money off the space, just cover the utility costs. We would love for you to be able to be in this space. Uh, we kept hitting roadblock after roadblock with that. So that's one example. Yeah, so let's pause, because we said at the beginning of this, I I hope you hear in the story something that applies to our work together, but something that also applies uh, to all of our individual paths. And as Matt and I were talking through this, we were thinking, like, this is such a pattern in life. And I, I bet you felt this. And what I mean by that is you get a conviction. I mean, it's more than an idea. It's like a conviction. Something inside says, I, I need to do this. I am meant to be a part of something. It's, it's elevated. It's for a good cause. And so you take that conviction and you begin to pursue the implementation of that conviction. And then you run into this strange wall that you weren't expecting. And I think the fact that it came from conviction makes it even harder. Because when you feel like, I don't know if you would use this language, but if, if you feel like maybe God's called you to this or God has inspired this or it's from the best part of you, it's noble, it's worthwhile, I think you kind of hope that you're going to have the wind at your back 
But instead, uh, this is like the pattern, right? You often run into these kind of roadblocks. And I think what we're learning through this that we've learned before is um, in those moments, like double down on the conviction, but hold loosely the details, right? Double down on that, that core thing, that core thing that matters, but hold loosely the details because you might not have the vision quite right. And if you can hold that posture long enough, you might get a clearer picture of what you're really meant to do, right? Yeah, for sure. It was like really demoralizing to, yeah, to yeah. be like, oh, you're going to help shape this space and then roadblock. But to be able to think like, okay, well, how else can we, like, yeah, what are the conversations we need to have? Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about one of those conversations. As that process is getting frustrated a little bit, uh, you get invited to a meeting in November of 2022. Who invited you? Who was at the meeting? Yeah, so uh, what I appreciate about this this process is there's so many people that are part of South Bend City Church in downtown that um, that are really gracious in offering their time or making connections. And so downtown South Bend, DTSB is one of those community partners that has really been such a gift in terms of extending a hand. A couple of ways that happen, one, the city is working on a 2045 plan and they were meeting with business owners and universities, um, but DTSB encouraged uh, faith leaders to come into that conversation of how do you reimagine this space in downtown. Um, simultaneously, Notre Dame has an institute called the Fitzgerald Institute for Real Estate, and there's a er specific program, uh, the Church Properties Initiative, and they were hosting uh, a conference last fall where they were bringing in speakers to talk through like the future of church properties. Uh, and so DTSB invited local faith leaders to a dinner to meet with some of the speakers as well as the other faith leaders in downtown South Bend. Yeah, nice. Uh, and then uh, you get there, and what's the actual substance of the conversation that night? Yeah, so churches are sharing uh, kind of their experiences, and it was, really, it was really moving. One, I'm sitting next to um, the pastor at First Presbyterian Church, which is right across the street from the Tribune. Um, that we're moving into. And so we had like a wonderful conversation just comparing notes. And it was just really beautiful to be able to build that relationship, but also hear how they've, they've been a church for, you know, over a hundred years. Uh, and just to hear about, heard their story, hear other churches' stories. Um, and then to see like, oh, there's some, we have some common problems. We have some things that we're really longing for. There was just like a real good sense of connection. And then there was some, to hear the speakers at this conference share um, some of the examples and things that they've seen about how churches are utilizing their space or working together. Um, that was equally inspiring. Yeah, um, so it just so happens uh, Matt sent our team a note on Slack, which is our second set of email. We use Slack for messaging internally. And um, it was a note that kind of indicated the, not just the content of the meeting, but the heart and the hope behind it. And we dug up the note, and we're going to share it with you. Matt knows I'm doing this, by the way. I'm not just like rating our private messaging app and sharing things. Um, but it was fun to kind of reread this and kind of catch a real-time glimpse of some of the energy that you carried out of that meeting, Matt. So this is a note that Matt sent our team in November of last year. I've edited it for clarity's sake. Uh, only clarity. There's nothing wrong with the note. Um, but I want to share this. This is actually what Matt wrote to us that night. He said, hey, all, a bit of a random, maybe even weird prayer request, but I can't stop thinking about this. The other night at a dinner with five local church leaders, Notre Dame, specifically the Fitzgerald Institute for Real Estate, and DTSB, we talked through church properties and development. Each person shared their heart for the common good of the people of the city, and there were churches doing really great work. One of the guests speaking at the conference shared about churches in Jacksonville that took a different approach and worked together to invest in and create a master plan for what they call the Cathedral District based on what they felt the city needed. They ended up getting a lot of support based on their strategic master plan. All this to say, there seems like a lot of possibilities in what will be our new neighborhood. Possibilities to collaborate with other churches and community partners, but also possibilities for empty spaces like the old Tribune space next to us. Uh, here Matt's referring to the other half of the building, the one that was built decades earlier that we're not buying, but it's connected to our building. Uh, the old Tribune space next to us and other downtown space, even historical church buildings to have new life. I know we're praying about closing the gap in funding for our part of this project, 
If you recall, last year, our own costs escalated dramatically. Like, the project got more expensive, like more than a million dollars more expensive. But I kind of love that you've got a real-time glimpse here that even while we were working on that problem, you hear Matt saying, I can't help think of an even bigger dream in this part of the city. So that's a little snapshot there. Uh, Matt, you referenced in that note something about Jacksonville. What did you hear about Jacksonville in the meeting? Take us into that. Yeah, so um, some of these presenters were sharing just like some imaginative ideas, but one that actually was very real and just stuck out to me was five churches in Jacksonville, Florida that are over 100 years old. There's kind of these historic churches in that part of the city. And they came together, working together, uh, kind of in a, in a blighted area of the city. And they said, uh, let's reimagine what this space could look like. And so they worked together and actually uh, got funds together to create a strategic master plan for that portion of the city. Um, and I was just, I didn't hear much, but I heard enough to be really inspired and moved by that. I think a couple things that stood out to me were just the unity of churches working together uh, for a common goal. Um, I thought there was a lot of power in that, not just uh, just to be able to learn from one another, but just thought like, oh, that's, that's really, really beautiful. It feels like what the church should be. Um, and then I, I think just to be able to see like, uh, it's easy to look at a church and the programs that exist, but it was just really intriguing to me to think of like how space could be outside of a physical building Yeah, that way. So it just so happens then, that a couple of days after that meeting, uh, you bump into Mark Meyer. Mark Meyer is a member of our church community here, and Mark, uh, for reasons Matt can explain, um, has a lot of skills and showed up early in the Tribune project to help us think about the common good aspect, right? Uh, who's Mark? Why are you working with him? And tell us about that conversation that couple days later. Yeah, so Mark is a member of our community. He also works with, with churches around the, the country as a consultant and other organizations. Um, and Mark uh, just like lit up when he heard about the Tribune space being able to be used during the course of the week and said, hey, I think I'd love to help out with that. Um, I'd love to just offer my services, kind of do some legwork with you. And I've just re really appreciated that in this whole process. I've told people, I don't need to be the smartest person in the room, but I need to get the smartest person there. So we've had bankers from our community that have joined me for every banking meeting. We've had realtors that have joined me in real estate conversations. Um, and Mark is one that is just able to step into these spaces with community partners. So I'm telling Mark about like, hey, I just heard about like these churches that are working together. It's in Jacksonville. And he says, well, interestingly enough, I'm going to be in Jacksonville next week. And one of my clients uh, backed out. So I'm there, but I have like two days free. Um, so I'm happy to like do some digging. And I was like, hey, could I just, could I join you? <laughs> um, so I took a quick flight and joined him in Jacksonville to check, check it out. Yeah. Uh, I remember you and I talking uh, while you were down there on the phone, and I could sense your energy, um, like so much so that I was like, wait, like, catch me up. Um, there was just a, like you caught wind of something down there that um, created some new possibilities for dreaming and for understanding uh, our part and how we could work with neighbors. So tell us about the trip to Jacksonville um, and especially what inspired you about it. Yeah, so Jacksonville is this sprawling city um, we would joke, it's like, you would drive 30 minutes, like, we're still in Jacksonville. Um, and it's like, every direction you turn, it's like, we're still in Jacksonville. Um, but there's this area actually near the NFL stadium, the Jacksonville uh, stadium. Um, it's actually like two miles from there. And so you have this multi-million dollar facility and, and millions going into the area that's right around it. But then next to it is this area that's been termed the Cathedral District. Um, and again, anchored by these five historic churches. Uh, and these churches have done, had a lot of great programs such as like soup kitchens and thrift stores and things like that. But then they're seeing their neighborhood and they're like, man, there's just like investors coming in and putting in these multi-million dollar places. What, if, what does like our neighborhood actually really need? Because what they're experiencing is people working at the stadium um, you know, at this multi-million dollar stadium, but traveling outside of Jacksonville to get there because it couldn't afford to live there. 
and in terms of like childcare, needing to have childcare outside the city limits because again, they couldn't afford it in that particular area and, our, and their services that, that weren't existing in that, that particular area and just a lot of gentrification that was happening. And so, so met with this pastor who just, her posture, Dean Kate um, of this Episcopal church, she just really had this beautiful vision of like, hey, how can this area be transformed? Um, and just her posture of saying, the church can live outside its walls. How can we show up um, to make this actually more of a neighborhood? Um, and how can we work with other churches and community partners to do that? And then she enlisted the help of Ginny Merrick, who's now the executive director of the Cathedral District. And Ginny is like a force. She, she just, she worked at this law office, uh, did really, really well, and Dean Kate approached her about being the executive director of this Cathedral District, uh, to which she just said, I'll, I'll work pro bono, um, to, because I believe in this vision. And now to see the transformation that's slowly happening in this area where they're actually creating places for like mixed rate housing where you have affordable housing and you have market rate housing um, and some green space. So they have all these initiatives that they created through the strategic plan. Um, but it was, it was really powerful to see, I think, the unity, but also like the vision for what this neighborhood could become. Yeah, now I know some people in the room are probably quick to like get excited about that. Others, like maybe like your brain doesn't quickly move toward these kinds of uh, work or vision. Um, but just to like take a step back and recognize what one of our takeaways was from all that, right? Um, I think as we processed the learnings that you brought back from Jacksonville, Matt, we were reminded um, that uh, programs can help make places but places are more than programs, right? Uh, you can make programs all day long, but not get at the larger question of placemaking. And placemaking is this kind of collaborative ecosystem development that takes a lot of partners all working together to say we want to collectively take responsibility for what happens in our neck of the woods, right? In fact, um, now looking back on some of those frustration points and those roadblocks, uh, I think we've learned to see some grace and some blessing in that, right? I, mean, I don't know for sure, but uh, let's say that like six months or a year ago, we had quickly found an early childhood partner to run a program in our building. That might have been great. I'm not saying that would have been bad. But I can just imagine for us as a church, we might have like kind of zeroed in on that. And there might have been a temptation to say, cool, we found a way for our building to be part of meeting a need. And I don't know if we would have had quite as much urgency. We, we might have, because you're really good at this, Matt. But I don't know if we would have had as much urgency to like, really reach out and think about a larger framework of connection and relationship. Uh, instead, though, with these frustration points, uh, we found ourselves not first and foremost thinking about what program can we plug into the building, but first and foremost thinking about the nexus of relationships that make downtown downtown how we can be a part of it, and how collectively we can do some placemaking downtown, right? Yeah, in fact, you know, somebody encouraged us, like, hey, why don't you just start an early childhood education yeah. um, thing in your space? Like, well, that's a thought, but now connecting with other places, actually, our space might not be the best space for that. There's actually right. other churches and, or, and organizations that actually have the use of space. Um, we actually... Uh, <clears throat> in these conversations where um, Notre Dame Fitzgerald uh, Institute of Real Estate pulled us together to do a space audit. Mm -hmm. And so everybody pulled out like their floor plans and like how is their space being used during the course of the week. And it was really cool to hear like how people are using their space, but then also really like sad to see like there is a lot, there's a big void in many of our church spaces mm -hmm. um, that could, that have potential to be used for say a laundry or a place for somebody to, to make an organ nonprofit to make meals for, for something that they're providing for, or uh, temporary housing for the, those that are houseless. Yeah. Um, just for the sake of sort of understanding and visibility, we wanted to highlight, this is not a complete list, but a list of some of the organizations and partners that we get to be at the table with. These are our peers downtown, the people that we get to um, collaborate with in the process. And you may not even realize that all of these entities exist or that we get to be at work with them, but this is an incomplete but helpful list of, of who else is on this with us, right? So DTSB, you've heard a lot about them. 
First Presbyterian Church, they are our neighbors, the Tribune. St. James Episcopal Cathedral, just down the street from us. United Way, which is doing good work all over the city. St. Margaret's House, which is also housed there right next to St. James Episcopal. Uh, city Government and Consultants, New City Church, St. Patrick's Cathedral, Notre Dame, both through the Fitzgerald Institute and through the Idea Center. Uh, Temple Bethel, a historic Jewish community that until recently uh, called downtown home, but no longer gets to call their building home anymore. Uh, the Jewish Federation, First United Methodist Church, Head Start, South Bend Schools, and La Costa de Amistad, um, just a sampling of the kind of larger network of relationships that I think can create the kind of future for downtown that we would want, that we get to be a part of too. Um, so uh, Matt, this is all still in process, and we took the risk today to give you a glimpse of it while we don't have a pretty bow on it and we don't know precisely where it's going. Uh, but can you talk to us a little bit about what's next, whether it's the 2045 planning or the meeting in August? Yeah, so, like, there's no, like, plan per se, like, you know, this is how you do it. Yeah. Like, I heard somebody say, like, how do you create change? I think it's, like, create change by having a thousand cups of coffee. Um, yeah. Really, it's, like, these relationships, and, but there, there definitely seems like there's some momentum here. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we were a little bit cautious in the beginning of not wanting to be the new kid on the block. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're like young church, and it's like, hey, we don't want to just go and be like, here's the plan for the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, but talking with a church that's a couple hundred years old down in Indianapolis, a pastor gave me this great encourage, encouragement. He said, Matt, um, many churches are really tired. Um, they've been at it for a really long time. But South Bend City Church has this momentum, um, and you're bringing new life into this conversation. You need to honor the legacy that many of these churches have. But being able to do it collaboratively is, is, is a real power in that, that you bring something to the table. And so uh, we've been humbled by the tables that we've been able to sit at and have these conversations. Um, and then we're also like creating space at the table to have conversations. So in August, we're pulling together a number of faith leaders and community partners to talk about what's the possibility here? What could we imagine? And is there, there something to creating maybe a plan for this particular area of the, the city? Yeah. Um, so I hope you hear in this discussion, we're really thankful for and have a lot of faith in um, all of these leaders who are coming together. We, uh, I, I will say, I've been um, really moved by the kind of non-defensive posture of some of these church communities that have been there long before us. I, maybe I put myself in the shoes of one of those pastors maybe, and I think I might have complicated feelings about South and City Church showing up next door, but I feel like what we've gotten from these communities and these leaders has been generosity, kindness, hospitality. Um, so very thankful for faith leaders and city leaders and nonprofit leaders who are all working together. Um, I also don't have many chances to publicly just celebrate Matt's incredible work, but um, if you haven't picked up on that yet, um, this is just one of many examples where Matt Grable has brought just incredible wisdom, tenacity. Uh, Matt has this incredible like, like X-Men superpower of like patience and push and he kind of holds those real nice together, just patient enough to not steamroll things, but enough push to keep things moving because if you're not careful, it could just be conversations forever, right? And it takes uh, the right kind of leader, and Matt is one of the leaders, and uh, one that I'm especially grateful for who's driving all of that. Uh, Matt, I could imagine um, there might be people hearing this today or on the podcast who are like, you know what, I've got something to contribute to this. I've got an insight or a relationship that should be a part of all of this. Uh, should they come out to reach you? Yeah, just shoot me a note at matt at southbendcitychurch.com or, or connect with me after the gathering. Um, but really, it's a community coming together, sharing gifts, talents, resources, and other connections that I think allow us to like move, move forward together. Awesome. Um, I want to uh, bring it back to the Tribune Project for a moment uh, because um, as we explore these larger webs of relationship, we still have a responsibility for the building that we bought. Uh, and we intend to follow through on that. So I want to highlight a couple of notes for you on that front. Um, first of all, um, if you walk through our front door right now, you'll notice there's that actual Tribune uh, dispenser box, that blue thing that would dispense newspapers, and next to it is a stack of cards. These are blank cards. Uh, we started doing this a while ago, and we'll keep doing it. Uh, if you want to write a prayer for the Tribune, uh, a hope for the Tribune, 
a prayer for downtown, a hope for the people of downtown. If you want to write that on this card, we would love that. And then just place it in that Tribune box. And then later what's going to happen, there's a spot at the Tribune that will become our front door. It's the actual threshold that people will walk across when they enter the building. And it just so happens it's dug out right now. And so later we get to take all of those prayers, put them in a box, and bury them underneath the threshold of that building so that, like, for all of the future, anybody walking into that building will cross over the prayers and blessings uh, that we've channeled into that space. So if you want to do that anytime, please grab one of these. And then later in the project, we'll let you know when that box is getting placed in the building. Um, so there's the pledge cards. Uh, there's also financial commitments. Um, this community has been incredibly generous and faithful in following through on that. We're a little more than halfway through our 24 months of financial giving to make the project happen, but we're much more than halfway through the giving uh, because you all have been so generous and faithful, so thank you. Um, however, I heard this phrase, I've never heard this before, but I love it. Uh, I was having dinner with a couple in our church, and Sherwin said that a teacher told him, you're the kind of horse that stops running when you see the barn. <laughs> Anybody ever heard that before? I've never heard that. But the point is just, just because the end is in sight doesn't mean you've crossed the finish line, right? That could be how these kinds of projects go. So we're moving in the right direction, but it matters that we cross the finish line financially. So for all of us who've made commitments, it matters that we come through on them. Thank you for all that you've done. However, I hope you know this, right? Some people move on. They made a promise, you know, 14 months ago and they've like literally left town. Others, their financial situation changes. Not all of us knew, you know, 14 months ago what we were actually going to be able to give, and so some people may not be able to come through all the way. Other people, no one here today. Other people, though, are flaky. <laughs> and they just don't do what they said they were going to do. Um, so if, you, if you've not had a chance to make a commitment or a gift to the project, it makes a huge difference. It's not like it's too late to do that. Um, you can go online to thetribuneproject.com or you can grab one of these cards that's out there by the, the same table with the other information. And you could just let us know what you want to give between now and April of 2024. New commitments make a huge difference. New gifts are going to help us come all the way through and get the horse in the barn just to beat a dead horse of a metaphor. Um, so that's really important. But also, there's other ways. Not all of us have financial means to contribute. That's not the only way that, that matters. And those of us who do have financial means, you might want to get your hands dirty anyway. Uh, Matt, just tell us a little bit about work days. Yeah, so I have some work days coming up and people that have participated so far. It's been a huge gift to um, cost savings, but also good connection. And so one way, talking to the contractor that we can help is our, I appreciate our contractors very tidy. So every uh, day, mostly every Friday, they try to have the site totally clean inside. But there's going to come a time where we say, hey, work a couple extra hours and don't clean up anything. And then we're going to have volunteers come in on a Saturday and clean up. Um, that allows them to like progress a little bit further, but then allows us to get kind of look at the building and work together to, cl to clean it up. So we'll keep you posted when those are coming up. And correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but like those volunteer hours will translate directly into dollars saved, Absolutely. right? So that, that turns into a financial contribution, even if you don't have dollars for the project. So that's great. Um, keep an eye on all of that. I want to wrap this up uh, with some really brief observations, because I know we went from the parable of the Good Samaritan to, you know, adaptive reuse challenges in old buildings to Jacksonville to collaborative partners. Um, as I've been thinking about the story that uh, we've been following as a community and even what I've observed in, in Matt's leadership through all of this, a few things stand out to me. One um, is that we are choosing to be in a relationship. And that's something you can take with you everywhere, right? Whether you're working on a big building project or whether you're at a workplace or in, in your neighborhood, you can just choose to be in relationship with the people around you or you can choose not to be. And it's really up to us, right? Um, I heard in all of this a curiosity, right? It's one thing to think that you know what other people need. It's another thing to back up a second and actually ask some questions because you might find out that you don't know as much as you thought you did. Um, I love the faith at work in this story. I really mean that. Just, I mean, you heard it, I think, in that note that Matt sent the team on Slack. Like, I can't shake the feeling that maybe there's something bigger going on here. And maybe God's at work in all of this. And I don't know that that language feels comfortable for all of us, but I think it's good for us to grow into it and say, the kind of good work, the, the act of love that we are called to is work that God believes in and God wants to uh, work through us in. And so I love the faith at work in it. And I love that, that idea of, of, of doubling down on your convictions but holding loosely the details. And I think that too could go with us into any kind of good work that we're a part of, right? 
Um, I really do hope that uh, 10 years from now, some of what we said is true, that downtown is a, just a, a more beautiful and flourishing place with all kinds of people from all kinds of places finding what they need there and maybe more importantly, finding each other there, right? Becoming a place for relationship and we're going to be a part of that and we'll keep you updated as it goes. Um, Matt educated me on this as we were working through this. Uh, the people who work on this kind of stuff professionally, like at the Fitzgerald Institute, there's a word uh, that describes that work, uh, a phrase, uh, it's placemaking. And I think like, little did we know that when we decided to call the Tribune a place for the people, uh, that we might actually be invited into the larger work of being part of making downtown South Bend a place for the people. Um, this is placemaking work uh, right on the front lines and we get to be a part of it because of this project. So um, as a way of wrapping this up today, um, I thought uh, that we would return uh, to a prayer that we prayed in the Tribune building just a few weeks ago. Uh, many of you were there for our consecration night where we stood in the circle and we sang and we prayed this consecration prayer. We wanted to pray it again today, but today we wanted to pray it not just for our building, uh, but we wanted to expand that vision a little bit and pray this as a prayer for all of downtown South Bend, for the ecosystem that we're going to be a part of. Uh, by the way, these cards, if you want to take one home, they're, they're free for the taking. This is the prayer. Uh, just grab one from the table if you want to carry it with you. But we'll put it on the screens. If you're able, will you stand to your feet? And uh, this will be sort of uh, our way of benediction um, as we get into this. But before, before we kind of direct it that direction, will you guys say thanks to Matt again for all of his work on this? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we are deeply grateful for you, Matt, and for these other leaders that you've heard about who are working with us on this. Um, so we'll make this our benediction prayer together. I'll read the first parts when you see the bold and italics. Join me in this prayer. Loving God, we've been on a journey in life with Jesus, with each other, right here in South Bend. Together. Help us to honor the places we've been and the places you've called us to right now. We seek to follow you, Jesus, in loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. As we follow you, you've provided places of safety, opportunities that call for our creativity, invitations to sacrifice for the sake of others as you have sacrificed for us. May this place be a place of safety, creativity, sacrifice, and love. May the good news of Jesus be known here. May we grow in the grace and peace to which you've called us for the sake of others in our city and world. Amen. And may grace and peace be with you. Amen. Love you all. See you next week.